Clapton from Voice Brigade, and I'm doing the Bible reading today. Today we're reading Matthew 16, verse 13 to 16, and verse 24 to 27. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Thank you. Well, this morning we have two, uh, two of our young people who are going to bring the message to you this morning. Um, and first, Cassandra is going to come up and uh, do the first part of, uh, of that uh, Bible reading. And then Liam is going to uh, finish it off in, uh, in great gusto, I hope. Thanks, guys. Hi everyone, um, if you didn't get it, I'm Cassandra, um, I'm a girls brigader, as well you can tell, um, and you know, get to do the sermon for you guys, it's pretty distracting around here, so if I trail off, can someone yell at me please, so I know what I'm doing. So, as we are doing, um, we're going through Matthew um, 16, um, and that whole part. So while we're looking at Matthew's gospel today, we're about halfway. And up to this point, Jesus has done his ministry on earth. He has, after being baptized by John the Baptist, um, he's called his first disciples in um, Matthew 4, 18 to 22. Uh, he spoke to a lot of people in synagogues, telling them that the kingdom had arrived, as well as giving that great talk that we now know as Sermon on the Mount which my life group is, I have no clue where we are in that anymore. We're somewhere in the middle of that. I don't remember. So Jesus also tested the Pharisees um, with their theology, which annoyed them greatly, which would have been really fun to actually watch if we had um, enclosed subtitles so we could actually understand what they were saying. But it would have been fun. Um, he also did a great big group miracles in front of a lot of people, such as calming a big storm. Uh, he casted demons out into a herd of pigs. Don't know what pigs did to Jesus to deserve that one, but all right. Um, he also brought a lot of people back from the dead, as well as healing a lot of people. So Jesus had, at this point, become very popular with people. Um, he had a lot of people following him. And, you know, just a very big popular guy that everyone went, everyone knew he, who he was. But now we're into chapter 16, and um, it seems he wasn't very popular with the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. And they come asking him for, like, 
they test him for something. You know, they want to show, they want Jesus to show him something. And, you know, for signs and wonders. And Jesus immediately rebukes them or tells them no and walks away. And um, at this point, Jesus uses this opportunity to tell his disciples to be very careful of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this now becomes a real big turning point in Jesus's ministry. His attention is just on his disciples now. Um, it's not like a big group thing. If, it's a, if any inside outsiders want to come, they'd be jumping around trying to figure out how to get in and look at it because it was just on his his attention was just on his disciples and it became very personal in what he was doing and what he was also saying so this whole um this whole this whole chapter this whole part of this my part of the part of the sermon is um it all starts as jesus and his disciples have left the place they were so they were in one place and then they went to this other place called Caesarea Philippi, or however Michael pronounced it, or however it's supposed to be pronounced, um, a place near Mount Hermon, which they saw a gigantic temple, yes, with statues to all, all these gods. There's just, as far as the eye can see, there's just statues of gods everywhere. So Jesus asked his disciples who they think he was, um, who other people thought he was, and then he said that he will build his um, church on a rock and it would survive the gates of hell and also the building of the new church. So it all starts in um, Matthew 6.13 as it is up there for everyone to see. Um, just a question, anyway. um, it all starts in verse 13 where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And the disciples reply in verse 14. Um, some say John the Baptist, others say Jeremiah, Elijah rather, others say Jeremiah and one of the other prophets. So people had very mixed opinions. So some people thought that Jesus was just John the Baptist back from the dead. Um, some thought he was the forerunner for the Messiah. Um, so Elijah, only Matthew's gospel does include Jeremiah, one of the first latter prophets in the canon. Uh, perhaps some people had been struck by the authority of Jesus and his sufferings, as well as the hands of the leaders, or he was considered a prophet of doom like Jeremiah. But no group, no matter where you went, was openly, willingly ready to confess that Jesus was the Messiah. No one was going to say that. But let's just take a stop here and think for a moment, what has Jesus been saying about himself? Who did he say he was? As you look through other, other Gospels and other books of the Bible, Jesus does have a lot to say about himself. There's a, there's a lot of there. So let's just take a little detour. And I've got a couple. It's not the big list. It'd be here forever. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just take a little look. So in John 6 verse 35 it says i am the bread of life i am the way the truth and the life in john 14 6 which is a really cool kids love song um i am the light of the world john 8 12 i am the good shepherd john 10 11 i'm with you always matthew 28 20 i'm the resurrection and the life john 11 25 which is also another good kids love song and just simply i am in exodus um 3 14 there's a lot more um, as I said, we'd be here forever. That's probably more of a person who's 
more theological background knowledge than me, but they can handle it. It's their talk, not mine. So, you know, there's a lot more, but just giving you some of the bigger ones that we probably already know. So now we know what the disciples thought of Jesus. Now we know what Jesus thought of Jesus. What did Jesus think his disciples said that Jesus was? So in verses 15 to 17, it says, And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So Peter is absolutely 100% crosses hard hope to die. You know, those things that people say when they're really convinced they know something. Um, that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the, the coming king who would um, heal the people and drive out all the oppressors, no matter, you know, just everything. In spite of all the false teaching that's were going around by, uh, by uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and in spite of all the confusion of all the people saying all these other things and stuff like that, Peter got it right, and that's not because he wasn't on his strength, it was because the Spirit of God had revealed it to him. Then Jesus moves on in verse 18 and says, You are, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So while we're not, I'm not up here to elaborate on those issues, which is a few for me, it's pretty clear that Jesus was giving Peter an insight to what would happen after he had died and he'd resurrected and he goes up to, up to glory to ascends back up to heaven to be with his father. Jesus was first going to use Peter, then others, to build his church. But it's only Jesus who is the rock. So it says in Ephesians 2 verses 20 to 22, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so going back to Matthew now, in verse 19 it goes on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. So Jesus gave Peter metaphorical keys. It wasn't like he put his hand into his pocket and pulled out a set of keys and went, here you go, and, you know, started telling him all the f stuff about keys and stuff. He didn't do that, and Peter looking pretty confused going, okay, I have keys in my head, now what? Right? Um, he didn't do that. Like the keys, metaphorical, no real keys here. Um, it meant a clear teaching of the gospel to the masses. Um, so Peter, that exact same Peter who denied Jesus after he had died and didn't quite always get it right, kind of fluffumbling around the place, looking all stupid, going, is this what I'm doing? You know, when the Spirit of God came in, he, Spirit of God, yes, did that, um, became, try that again. When the Spirit of God was poured out, he began proclaiming the good news and, of the kingdom and so began the church so i want to challenge you guys today who do you say jesus is is he just a good man or a prophet as many people today believed he was was jesus just a great moral teacher and what everything that has been written about jesus just a 
ordinary dude who lived and breathed 2,000 years ago, annoyed a lot of people, and then just got killed by the Roman authorities because he annoyed them. I don't know. Who do you say he is? Now, all we need to do is go through all the worship songs that we have. So, you know, the ones we've seen today, or we go into the, to the cupboard in the room in the offices where they've just got gigantic um, filing cabinets of them, all in alphabetical order, which is helpful. You go through them. It won't take long before we'll start to find words that we can actually use, that we can use to describe Jesus. So some examples that I have here is Prince of Peace, Yahshua, uh, Messiah, Son of Man, Holy One, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Comforter, the Counselor, Author, Finisher, Divine Truth, Revealer, Deliverer, Healer, You are God. There's plenty more, otherwise, yeah, there are plenty more. If it's the same, well, again, would be here forever. But those are just little snapshot, plus the ones I've said before. So just to wrap my section up, um, who do you say Jesus is? Somebody repeats something in a sermon that means pay attention. Um, who do you say Jesus is? Is he a person who died um, to save your sins and started up the church we have today? Is he a person you know of, but you still have a couple of questions? So you're, it's a bit of a head scratcher. You're really not too sure. Or is he just not on your radar at all? That's completely okay. So just sit and think for a few minutes, moments, while I finish off and Liam comes up. Um, just, as I'm saying things, just think about it. If someone was to come up to you and ask, who is Jesus to you? How would you answer that? How would you answer it yourself? Who is Jesus to you? And who do you say he is? Um, so if you didn't hear Terry at the start, I'm Liam. You might see me around 6.30 service or down at Kids Church. So I'll just continue where Cassandra left off. So as we continue looking on Matthew 16, Matthew discusses a lot of topics such as prayer, faith and steps in a Christian life. So what is the last part of chapter 16 all about? If we, like Peter say, that Jesus is the Messiah and if we confess Jesus as Lord in our life, what does the remainder of chapter 16 have to teach us? It's about how to become a passionate follower of Jesus. This is and was, this was and is the motto of church, transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. Now, to become a passionate follower of Jesus, Jesus has a few things to say to us. The first is to deny yourself. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, as chapter 16 states. So what does it really mean to deny ourselves? Well, according to the dictionary, to deny is to refuse something. So to deny ourselves means to refuse ourselves and disallow ourselves to be who we really are. When I first saw this, I thought, did Jesus really mean that? Surely I must be misreading this passage somehow. God can't want us to stop being who we are. Well, actually, he does. Jesus wants us to take who we are and completely throw it away and deny it. So what does it mean to deny ourselves and how do we do it? Do we just hide in a box and cower away? And do we hide from the world? No, the real answer is with the question, who are we? 
We are sinful, we are rebels, we are disobedient. Mark 7, tw- tw- verse 21 to 23 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sh- sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetering, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So they come from within us. They are who we really are. We are not basically good people who do evil things. We are evil people to the core who do evil things and love them. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. If even our good deeds are like filthy rags to God, how much evil is inside us to taint even them? Yes, we are totally depraved creatures. That is who we are. Now, is it any wonder that Jesus wants us to not deny ourselves? Jesus wants us to deny ourselves because we cannot have two masters in our life. On one hand, sin will be our master and it will rule us. Or, on the other hand, God will rule us and conquer over sin. There is no in-between. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus speaks to the church in Lacedaemon, where he chastises them for being of the world, they, though they do not belong of, of this world. He says to them, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. See, these people tried serving both God and the world. They were neither fully for God or fully against Him. And Jesus says He would rather them be hot or cold, either hot or cold. Do you hear that? It is preferable to Jesus that we oppose Him rather than trying to serve both masters. We cannot coexist with our sinful nature if we claim to serve God. Part of this denying ourselves lies in taking up our cross and following Jesus, which is the next part of the passage. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross, Matthew twenty-seven thirty-two. Are we to do what Simon did? Going to be hard seeing as they don't crucify people anymore. Well, a cross is not having a physical handicap or suffering from a crucible disease. To take up one cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for God's sake. It is the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even martyrdom for His sake. Denying ourselves is following Jesus even until death. To deny ourselves also means loyal obedience to Christ. As Cassandra mentioned, Jesus isn't just a prophet. He was a saviour. So if you're wondering, why should we follow him? The answer is simple. Why wouldn't you? So what does it mean to follow him? It means that especially in the toughest of times, we should follow him because in this life, it may seem like he isn't there or isn't listening. But when we die, we will be judged according to what we have done towards him, the good and the bad. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, as it states in the Bible. This theme comes up often in the Bible, and it is still just as confusing as all the other times it appears. This idea is when we lose our lives, we gain our lives. We gain our lives seems contradictory. To first understand this, we need to know what we are losing and what we are gaining. 
in Australia at the moment, it is very rare for people to die for their faith. So how then are we meant to apply this verse? We must look at the meaning behind what is Jesus saying. Fortunately for us, the next verse gives us some insight. Verse 26 states, For what will it profit a man if he gains a whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? To fully understand what Jesus is talking about in this passage, we must first understand what our lives are. What are our lives? Well, if you ask James, the brother of Jesus, he says in chapter 4, verse 14 of his letter, What is your life? You are a mist that appears in a, for a little while and then vanishes. Not a very happy answer, is it? And yet, there it is again and again in Scripture. Job 7, verse 7 says, Remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will not see again. Psalm 78, verse 39. Thus he remembered that we were but flesh, that we part... A wind passes and does not return. Psalms 102 verse 3. For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. Psalms 144 verse 4 says, A man is but like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Our lives on this earth are a blink in, in comparison to our lives in heaven with the Lord. Our lives in heaven are worth infinitely more than our lives here. Therefore, what shall it gain a man if he were to gain the whole world, gain everything on this earth, be the most happiest man to ever live, yet lose the one thing that in comparison causes all that to be a loss? Paul says the same in Philippians 3 verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the suppressing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Our lives in this earth are nothing compared to our lives in heaven. So which one is motivating you right now? In order that the words that has just been said can further be driven into our minds, Jesus talks about the future, a place to look forward to. Jesus says in verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. I think Kelvin says it best in reference to this verse. If we would perceive the worthlessness of a fading life, we must be deeply affected by the view of our heavenly life. Jesus is giving us a comparison to highlight where our motivations and hearts should lie. If I were to hold up a grey piece of paper against a black sheet, the grey piece of paper would look bright, would it not? But if I were to hold up the very same piece of paper against a pure white sheet, the grey would look dark. So what colour is our sheet? Jesus here is holding up a perfectly white sheet against our marred black and impure sheet in order that we would choose to instead focus our eyes on which is holy and good. In conclusion, what does this mean for us? Why did Jesus choose to say things like deny yourself and take up the cross? How do we become a passionate follower of Jesus? That's the question that this passage from verse 24 to 27 answers. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, even unto death. For our life in this world is nothing. And whoever gains only in this world loses the one thing that matters. 
and whoever would lose his life for the for this world for God's sake in this world for God's sake will gain everything so just as Cassandra left you a question who do you think Jesus is I want to leave you with another question what are you holding on to in this world in this life that is maybe stopping you from becoming fully devoted 100% follower of Jesus so let your motivation lie in God let your motivation be the fulfillment of his kingdom at no point allow yourselves to be caught up in the dealings of life such that you lose your way focus on heaven and God's kingdom and we will be able to fully understand how menial our life truly is instead focus on God's will 100% that is what it means to become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ thank you Thank you both Cassandra and Liam. That was, uh, that was really good. They wrote all of that themselves pretty much with very little help. I just want to close um, with, with that question that, that Cassandra opened up with. So who is Jesus? You know, the world is full of people who have an opinion on that one question. Some people say he was a good man. Some people say he was a prophet. Some people just don't even believe that he even walked on this earth. And yet we have incredible amount of history and, and knowledge to know that he actually did. Some people just want to push him aside and don't want to have anything to do with him because they know that he was an important man. Maybe for some, it's not knowing who Jesus really is. And maybe for some, maybe even here this morning, it may be that he's not Lord of your life because you don't quite understand who Jesus really is. Now, if that's the case, can I encourage you maybe to talk with someone on our pastoral staff um, after the service? And I know that they would more than happy be happy to, uh, to speak to you about that. And maybe today is, is the day that suddenly Jesus has, has come alive. Maybe the words that Cassandra and Liam have spoken through the, through the scriptures and from the scriptures have made you realise, hey, yeah, now I've got it. Now I know who Jesus is. And if that's the case, just talk to someone about that and tell someone, yeah, I've got it. Please help me. And maybe for some of us, and I'm talking to me a lot, Maybe for some of us, we're just hanging on to stuff in this world. Maybe for, for some of us, um, pride might be stopping us or getting better things in this world might be stopping us from becoming a passionate follower of Jesus. Maybe there's a lot of other stuff in this world that is happening that is consuming up our time, our energies and all our efforts. And those things are stopping us from becoming passionate, sold-out, 100% followers of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, wherever you are in life right now, Jesus wants us to be passionate followers of him. So can I encourage you today 
no matter where you are in life, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is holding you back from being that passionate follower, can I encourage you to talk to someone? Can I encourage you to get into the Word of God? Can I encourage you to pray to God and ask Him through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you? Because He will. He is a faithful God. He is a gracious God. He is a forgiving God. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to your neighbour? Let us become passionate, sold out, 100% followers of Jesus Christ so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the saviour, that he is the one that we need to follow. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you so much for just coming into this earth and showing us who you are. Thank you for the way that you did it, for the, the miracles that you performed, for the, for the way that you showed people who God really is. Thank you for knitting it all together. And thank you so much for calling those disciples. We thank you for the, for the way that you, you taught them and the way that you uh, lived your life with them. And I, I ask that, Lord, that today we can live our life in that same way and that we can live our life out in that same way so that people will see through our lives who Jesus is. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time this morning where we've come to worship you um, and where we have been able to hear from your word. I pray, Lord, that for today... It may be a new beginning for all of us in one way or another. Help us, Lord, to be sold out on you. Help us to become passionate followers of Jesus, that the world may know who you are. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.